Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack coming your way live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance your current one, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. Phone loan solutions to fit your life. Rocket can. All right, we're rocketing out to the diamond. Yes, winter meetings. The hot stove league is actually hot. It had been pretty tepid for the first couple weeks of free agency, but now we got plenty to talk about, and we're going to do just that with J.P. Hornstra, MLB writer for the L.A. Daily News, covered the West Coast, does it all for the L.A. Daily News, uh, covering Major League Baseball. He's going to do it for us for the next couple of minutes. J.P. Jody Mack here. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Jody. How are you? Very good. Thank you very much for hopping on board. And yes, we do have uh, some uh, serious free agent signings to talk about. Some of the big-name guys have come off, the, come off the board. Some are still out there. Aaron Judge was the biggest name, got the biggest contract, $40 million AAV. Is he worth it? He's worth it to the Yankees. Um, I don't think he's worth it to every team, but to that team, absolutely. I, I don't know how the Yankees can go forward after the winter meetings if Trey Turner's wearing a different uniform, or Aaron Judge, rather. And I, I just think that when you consider what he meant to that fan base and the fact that they were would have been calling for Brian Cashman's head had he not signed uh, Aaron Judge to that extension, like it just it would not have gone over very well. I don't know where the Yankees would have gone from there when you consider what he meant to that team on the field in the second half of that season, when you consider what he means. Like, this is the top-selling jersey in MLB. This is the most marketable MLB player. Aaron Judge is going to make arguably even more than this off the field in endorsements um, just by virtue of being who he is in New York in the nation's biggest market. I, I think that deal had to get done. Good for Aaron Judge, good on him, and good on the Yankees getting the job done and not you know, being cheap at the last minute. <laughs> you, you talk about good on him. He could have signed a reasonable contract before the season ever started, bet on himself, and went out and had one of the best seasons in the history of Major League Baseball. So, yes, I would call that good on him, and uh, he can prove that by opening up his wallet and showing off all that money he's going to be making from the Yankees. All right, maybe a little Freudian slip from the, the from you there. So that mentioned Trey Turner, who got the second biggest contract, not the second biggest AAV, but $300 million deal from the Philadelphia Phillies, supposedly turned down even more from the San Diego Padres. Were the Dodgers in the mix at all? Was there a possibility that he came back to L.A.? Or did they know ahead of time that he was going to go elsewhere after this season was over and done with? I mean, I don't think there was really a possibility once the Phillies made their first offer. If, if Trey Turner knows the Phillies are interested, he, I think he's going to Philadelphia. And I think that the evidence is just what you cited, like the fact that the San Diego Padres offered him more money 
and he turned it down for an opportunity to be on the East Coast, close to where his wife's family lives in New Jersey. And really for the next 11 years, like, I mean, who doesn't take that offer? Like, this is not the kind of deal that players like Trey Turner get. You know, if you look at the kind of deals that take players into their late 30s and their 40s, they're guys like Nelson Cruz. They're guys like Albert Pujols. They're guys like Aaron Judge, guys who can go up there and thump. And Trey Turner, yes, he's got a little pop to that bat, and I think that tool has been getting better throughout his career. But you sign Trey Turner because he's this super athlete. He's fast. He plays defense. He runs the bases. Um, He hits for average. And we haven't really seen a player like that get the opportunity to play into his 40s in more than a decade. Um, I don't think the Phillies are really worried about that right now. Obviously, they're they're just worried about capitalizing on this surprise World Series run and and making sure it wasn't a surprise. That they're contending at least through this window of Bryce Harper and Trey Turner's prime. Everything that they get beyond that is a bonus, but um, I don't think that the Dodgers were really in the running once the Phillies started ramping up that offer. did seem like that was going to be the case leading up to free agency. Sure enough, he does land in Philadelphia. I think it's a good get for the Phillies. But back to the Dodgers. Uh, They were supposedly in the bidding, might have gotten in for Justin Verlander. He ends up taking a very large short-term deal from the Mets, so they didn't get him. They've lost a bunch of other free agents um, and haven't really had a big signing yet. There are a couple of big names out there, specifically at a position they now have an opening at uh, shortstop with uh, both Correa and Swanson still available. Are the Dodgers going to jump into the deep end of the pool at all this offseason? I mean, it really doesn't look like it. I, I would say, you know, let's let's think of the two pools separately, right? There's the free agent pool where the hot stove has been burning hot, and then there's the trade pool, which really hasn't had any activity yet to speak of. Angels made a couple trades for Gio Urshela and Hunter Renfro. Other than that, like, you really haven't seen teams that are looking to make the playoffs in 2023 go out and get somebody who would fill a hole. I'm kind of surprised that trade hasn't happened yet. A lot of people within the industry at the winter meetings were surprised that that trade hasn't happened yet. I think that's probably the route the Dodgers are most likely to go. And look, like you said, this wasn't necessarily going to be their course this offseason. And they're famous for being able to pivot from plan A to B to C to D. But look, if Tyler Anderson accepts the qualifying offer and or Justin Verlander goes ahead and accepts the Dodgers offer, probably was going to be a one-year offer to be in L.A. versus the two-year offer to play for the Mets, then maybe we're looking at the Dodgers being you know, in a much better position than they are today. As it was, Tyler Anderson rejected the qualifying offer. Verlander got a two-year deal for a heck of a lot of money, and the Dodgers are where they are, probably going to have to scramble to make a trade. Yeah, and they got their work cut out for them. They did get Clayton Kershaw back on a one-year deal. That seems to be the going rate for Clayton these days. Just keep doing it a year at a time. $20 million fair market value. Won't say overpay. Won't say home team discount. How key is he to the Dodgers going into next year with the fact that they're probably going to have to do so a little bit less than they had this past year? Yeah, I mean, he's key. I think you can probably repeat a lot of what I just said about Aaron Judge and apply it to Clayton Kershaw. What he... This is arguably the greatest pitcher in franchise history, certainly top two. Um, I don't think anybody would dispute that. And look, when he is on the field, when he's healthy, he's still probably one of the 10 or 20 best pitchers in baseball. And even if you're getting him for only, say, four months out of the season and not the full six plus the postseason, uh, that's still worth it. 
to the Dodgers and at 20 million a year. I mean, again, I think you have to bake into that this uh, pattern really of missing at least a month, if not two, as was the case this last season with an injury of some sort. Now, last year, the elbow was a little bit of a concern, and, and maybe, you know, maybe that's a little bit makes us more of a tepid outlook for Clayton Kershaw in 2023. But I personally don't think he comes back unless he thinks he can be, like I said, one of those 10 or 20 best pitchers in the game when he's on the mound. Dude almost threw two perfect games last season. I mean, I don't know what more you could ask for from Clayton Kershaw on the mound. And like I said, off the field, he's a fan favorite. I know the Dodgers would love to see him retire a Dodger whenever that is. And that's why he was unsurprisingly uh, their first priority this offseason. MLB writer for the LA Daily News, J.P. Hornstra, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio, talking hot stove. All right, one last Dodger question, and I'm going to jump out of town on you. You lost one Turner. Are you keeping the other Turner? Justin Turner, also a free agent, been a key guy for them the last couple of years. You know it's going to be a one-year deal at age 38, but he's been a guy who's had positional flexibility, played all over the place for you. Cody Bellinger not coming back, which opens up at bats in that Dodger lineup if they're not getting a big piece for shortstop. Where is the Justin Turner negotiating sitting right now? Well, I think Justin Turner and the Dodgers are in such a comfortable place uh, with respect to the team and the organization that Justin Turner is not going to sign someplace else unless he talks to the Dodgers and says, look, this is the offer that I'm looking at. What can you all do? Um, so I, I think no matter how long it takes for Justin Turner to sign his next contract, you can never count the Dodgers out. The interesting thing to me was that they declined his option, right? He became a free agent, and then the market exploded. And... Um, there's just not that many people who can hit to Justin Turner's level out there. He had a bad first half. He had an amazing second half. He, he was flashing roughly 300, 400, 500. Um, I'm rounding up a little bit, but not much. His batting average was above 300 from about the end of June onward. There aren't that many free agents who have that kind of a bat and have the track record of Justin Turner. This isn't just somebody who you can pencil in to take a hometown discount because he's a fan favorite. This is a pretty good free agent who can play a little bit of third, a little bit of first, a little bit of DH. Um, probably not somebody you want in the field for 150 to 160 games, just given where he is with respect to his mobility. Uh, going into the latter portion of his 30s now, um, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of contract he signs. I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of this the Dodgers – uh, make a few trades to save some money, to plug some holes, and find you know room in the budget to re-sign Justin Turner. But this is a robust market for free agents, and Justin Turner is still a very good hitter. I also wouldn't be surprised if some team blows him away. Justin Turner comes back to the Dodgers, and the Dodgers just say, we can't match that. I'm sorry, it's not in the budget this season. The Dodgers seem very intent on getting back under that first luxury tax threshold. If it means cutting bait with Justin Turner to do that, that might be the tough decision that they have to make this offseason. All right, so the Dodgers may go there. It doesn't look like the Mets will go there, but you don't really know because they've lost a lot of guys. DeGrom's already left. Tywan Walker signed with the Phillies. Trevor Williams, uh, Jolie Rodriguez. It was a nice little bullpen piece for them. They do keep Diaz and Nimmo. 
They signed Quintana and Robertson as free agents, so they added one bullpen arm and one starting rotation arm. Sorry, Quintana is a little bit of a come down from shooting, a come down from Taiwan Walker for me. We're not even talking about Degrom yet. Um, we know that their owner is willing to pay that luxury tax and then some. Uh, what do you think the Mets have left to do here? Because I think they've lost more than they've gained. Yeah, you worry about the back of the rotation for the reasons you mentioned. You know, if Jose Quintana is like your number three or four starter, it's not necessarily the best place you want to be right now. Um, you know, and these guys that we mentioned, Scherzer, Verlander, Carrasco, Quintana, they're all in their 30s. They're all in the latter portion of their career. In the case of Verlander and Scherzer, maybe you don't worry about that as much just because they've shown that they can pitch at a high level the durability, the reliability is there in a way that it typically isn't for pitchers in their age group. But I think they do need to shore up that back end of the rotation, and really they need to shore up with some younger dudes because I don't know how much you expect these guys who are 35 and over to pitch uh, in any given season. That That's just not really a reliable formula for success. Now, if all you're thinking about is October, okay, you know, that's a great rotation you've got right there. But you got to get there first, right? And, and I'm interested to see how the Mets get there. Um, they, they've got to do a little bit of something there. Um, you mentioned the bullpen. The bullpen is something that teams, good teams can figure out. Um, Billy Epler had a, some struggles building a bullpen in Anaheim. I remember when he was the Angels GM. That was kind of an annual chase. Uh, so I, I, you know, he still has to meet the burden of proof that he can do that, in my opinion. But like you said, he lost some good pitchers. We'll see what David Robertson can do. Um, it is not as good of a team as it was last season, but there's still a lot of offseason left. I, I feel like people are trying to grade uh, where these teams are uh, as if opening day is tomorrow, and it isn't. And if you're the Mets or the Dodgers and you have a lot of money to spend, you tend to worry less about those teams than you do. Uh, you know, teams like, uh, you know, a mid-market team, say the Giants that loses out on Aaron Judge, right? Like, what are they going to do to to get Aaron, uh, you know, to get the production they were hoping to get from Aaron Judge? Eh, you can't really find that right on the free agent market now. If you're the Giants, uh, I think the Mets will be okay. I, I, I bet on them to be okay in the long run. Yeah, Mitch Hanniger isn't going to do that for the Giants. But no. I have one more <laughs> NL West question for you, and that was the big signing San Diego did the other day. Missed out on Turner, end up with Bogarts, planning on plugging him into shortstop, moving their erstwhile shortstop out to left field when he gets done with the suspension this upcoming year, Mr. Tatis. I think he'll be good out there in left field. He's a phenomenal athlete. Um, but the, the, right now, I think that they are no best, better than the second team in that division. Again, they still haven't caught the Dodgers, and they've spent some pretty good money. And the one thing that surprises me, I want to see if you feel the same, they haven't gotten a Soto deal done yet. They gave up as much as they did to get their hands on them, helped them win a playoff round before they got beat by the Phillies in the NLCS. Um, Soto is going to be a key of whatever that team is going to do for the next five, six, eight, ten years. Or is he going to be there that long? Because they got to get a contract done with him, giving a lot of money to other guys not named Juan Soto. Are you surprised they haven't gotten an extension done yet? A little bit. I, I don't necessarily know that that was going to be their first priority for the offseason when they did want to go out. And clearly, A.J. Preller has been authorized to spend a lot of money this offseason, and we don't know how much, right, because the Padres are already in uncharted waters for them as a franchise. I think to your point, though, this reminds me a little bit of the Boston Red Sox, like four or five years ago, where they were extending guys like J.D. Martinez and, and Bogarts and 
you wondered, are they going to have any money at the end of the day left for Mookie Betts? they got to re-sign Mookie Betts, right? That's their dude. And then they didn't, <laughs> and then they ended up trading him. And I can't tell you sitting here today that that same fate won't meet the Padres and Juan Soto. Um, but, again, a lot of time uh, left until Soto reaches free agency. We'll see what happens in the meantime. Clearly, they prioritized athleticism. I don't know that Xander Bogarts is even one of the best three shortstops on their roster, and yet, looking out today, he'd probably be their opening day shortstop next season. Um, I think there are a lot of question marks around Tatis. I'm not necessarily penciling him in for even 500 plate appearances uh, and being the everyday left fielder yet. I, I think the Bogart deal really raises a lot of questions about what the Padres expect from Juan Soto, even internally, uh, going forward. A lot of question marks around him, but look, they're a better team today than they were without Xander Bogarts. He's a great hitter. He's got the kind of hit tool that you would expect to you know, hold up long-term. Uh, it's a very long-term. Again, another 11-year deal. I wouldn't have projected that. I wouldn't have projected the Padres to be the one team signing him, but they're putting the pressure on the Dodgers, and, and I don't know. I, I Personally, like you say, the Dodgers are still a better team on paper. I see it as being pretty close today, but I think this is going to be a very interesting divisional off-season rivalry to watch. Yeah, just forget about when it gets on the field because those were some great games last year. J.P. Hornstra from the L.A. Daily News, MLB writer, I guess, there on CBS Sports Radio. All right, last thing for you, kind of a two-parter. Number one, know you're a member of the BBWA. Are you a Hall of Fame voter? I am. Just got my second ballot in the mail last week. Very nice. Um, before we get to the one that you're going to have to take your time and figure out and make your contribution, this week they announced the Contemporary Baseball Era Committee voted in Fred McGriff. Now, I was a big McGriff fan. I would have voted for him every time he was on a ballot. I don't have a ballot because I'm a sports talk show host, not a writer like you. Um, but I was always a McGriff guy, and I was glad to see him get in. What are your thoughts on the new and added and different committees that are kind of letting Hall of Famers in through the side door? I mean, that in and of itself is nothing new. If you actually look at who's in the Hall of Fame, the majority of Hall of Fame members were voted in by committees and not by the Baseball Writers Association of America. And if you look at those guys, I mean, I, I think the side door metaphor is absolutely appropriate because it's not the front door. The guys who get left in, let in the front door are generally the inner circle Hall of Famers. And the guys who get in the side door aren't. Like, I'm with you on McGriff. I, I think that the committee's existence is designed act like perfectly for a guy like Fred McGriff, who in any other era, you would look at the bulk of his work in his career numerically and just like symbolically is a guy who batted in the middle of the lineup for some really good teams for pretty much a decade spanning his prime. That guy's a Hall of Famer in my book, and I think he was somebody who really got hurt by that rule limiting voters to 10 players on their ballots. And I'm glad he's in. Um, it'll be interesting to see who else gets in via these committees once the eras that the committees are looking at change. Um, but this was a tough ballot this year. I'm glad I wasn't on this committee uh, you only got to vote for three players. That was down from four a year ago. And I, I would have voted for McGriff, too, but I, maybe I would have gamed the system, right? Because there were some really worthy Hall of Famers on merit uh, who couldn't get in, who couldn't even get half of the votes uh, that they needed to get in because of that rule limiting uh, the committee members to three votes. Um, I'm glad they're limited to three, I think, because Same. it should be tough to get in that side door, but yep. um, good for Fred McGriff. Agreed. All right. Uh, if you haven't publicly revealed your ballot yet, I won't ask you to do so here. 
but can you tell me how deep do you think you're going to go? Speaking of limited, you can only vote for 10. I don't think there's anywhere near 10 guys who, who merit being uh, voted in this year, just me personally. How many names do you think you're going to uh, check off? I'll tell you what, I will, what, I'll, what I'll do when I'm all done is I'll, I'll have the list of the top 10 guys on, on that ballot, and if all 10 of them are good enough for me, I'll, I'll vote them all in. Um, I, I'm not there yet, though, uh, in my process. So, so you don't know. The answer is you don't know. Uh, I truly don't know. That, that, that's a very fair answer. We appreciate the honesty. Appreciate the insight, too. JP, thank you very much for hopping on board with us. You got it, Jody. Thanks for having me. That is J.P. Hornstra, MLB writer for the L.A. Daily News, talking hot stove, little Hall of Fame with us here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Jody Mack coming back. Still got time to get your thoughts in. That's why I'm here is to give you the chance to be heard at 855-212-4227. Get on with the Mac Man here on CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.